John continue on just looking in John and looking at Jesus and who he is and what he has done for us. Uh, just make sure you take some time to thank our music team for all the hard work that they do in helping us to worship in music. Uh, it's just great to be able to come together and uh, it's great to say also thanks to Matt for his hard work. It's nerve-wracking. Uh, trust me, I stand up here and I look at you guys too, and it's nervous. It's nervous. Uh, so let us just continue to worship our awesome God as we uh, do that. As we continue in our sermon series, we're going to be looking in John, and we're going to be in John chapter 1 and verses 4 to 5 as we continue on from what Pastor Matt preached about last week. As we look at well, the Gospel of John, who wrote it for the simple reason that we may believe. So with a statement like that, it's going to be just all about Jesus. It's going to be about who he is and what he has done for us as he stepped down from his throne to pay the price that we could not. Last week, we took a look at uh, how God, uh, that Jesus is the word and that everything was created through him and by him. Nothing has slithered into the world apart from the sovereign purpose of the world's creator. There's nothing that's haphazard. There was purpose, and it was all done through Jesus. And as we looked at this week, we see John continuing to build as he looks at Jesus being life and light. A few years ago, my family and I went down to Nashville to visit some friends of ours, and one of the things that they do in Nashville is they have this big Christmas thing at the Grand Ole Opry. And I know I'm going to get in trouble for saying it that way, but whatever. And one of the beautiful things is they got all these Christmas lights everywhere, and it's just beautiful. I love Christmas because you get to see these Christmas lights. One of the best aspects of it, of the the whole season, outside of Jesus Christ coming down from his throne to be born of the baby, the Virgin Mary, to grow up and die for us, okay, we understand that that's the most important part of Christmas, right? I love the Christmas lights. I like Christmas lights. Especially at nighttime, right? When the light is all dark all around us and you see these Christmas lights. I, I, I like to have, we have this ongoing conversation every year in our house. I love having the Christmas lights on at night. Um, my wife doesn't. Um, something about fire. Uh, but one of the reasons why I like it is because it, it shines into the darkness. And, and you see how this light overcomes the darkness and it's a beautiful sight. And as we continue on in our sermon series in John chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, the word of the Lord says this, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, as we continue to worship you through the opening and the preaching of your word, Lord, I pray that you would use it to glorify your name. Lord, there's no possible way that I can make this turn out well, so God, I pray that you would use these what seems to be feeble attempts to glorify your name, to magnify yourself. Lord, may we be awakened uh, and in awe of who you are and what you have done for us, of who your son is and what he has done for us. Lord, I pray that you would use this sermon for your glory, for the joy of your people, and for the salvation of the lost. And amen. As we look through this in verse 1, we see right off the bat that Jesus is life. This is who he is. He is life. 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Life and lights are terms that are through John, and they will be continued to be used throughout John. They're important, and we need to understand them. They are almost universal religious symbols, but John is taking this a little bit further. He's not using these words as sentimental props uh, for us to just kind of like, oh, that's kind of nice. There's something more. He wants to focus our, att- our attention on the excellencies of the word that we learned about in just the three verses before. It's just even more of the excellencies of the word. The word of verses 1 and 3 is the mediator not only in the act of creation, but is, is continuance. When we see this word, life and light, it points us to not only the creation of verses 1 and 3 that Pastor Matt talked about last week, but the spiritual life of humanity, both creation and what the Bible calls as new creation, come through Jesus. So in short, not only did he create all things, but he is the sustainer of all life. All life goes through him, both physically, but also spiritually as John continues to build upon this throughout his whole book. See, John is an evangelist, right? We see that in the key phrase, the the purpose statement of his book is so that we may believe in who? In Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. One of the beautiful pictures about John is that when John is writing the Gospel of John, he's, 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 he's starting from heaven and he's coming down to earth. The other Gospels start from earth and go up to heaven. So it's a different perspective of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And it's beautiful. Jesus is the only one whom all things were created, but the one who also gives new life. So there's this double meaning when it comes here. So John, in this first paragraph, in verses 1 to 5, he is clearly talking about creation. Jesus is God. He did create all things. He's not just some man. He is God. And the most wonderful thing about these first, first five verses, well, first 18, really, is that he has to be these things because he's our Savior. If Jesus isn't these things, we don't have a leg to stand on. He is the only one who can save us. If we don't believe in these things, we don't have a Savior. We can't be saved. But let me tell you this. If he is life, he can take what is dead and make it alive again. And that's what John is talking about here as he's, he's talking to us about Jesus is life. This is who he is. What does it mean by life? In the Bible, life flows from the living Father through the Son. We saw this last week as Pastor Matt talked about Jesus uh, creating all things, but he not only does that, he is the source of redemption. The Father sends his Son into the world. The lifeless, dead, dark world and he is life and he is light he is the source of those things life the word life shows up 36 times just in this gospel it's important to take note of jesus is the life that was dispensed at creation so that it became the light of the human race all life is in christ including the physical and biological and the spiritual life he is not just a man he is god 100 percent man and 100 percent god he has to be both this is just an amazing affirmation of the deity of christ so when the historians 
when secular historians come and tell us that Jesus was a man, you can't deny the fact that there was a man named Jesus walking along the, the planet. You can't. It's a historical fact. But what they deny are these first 18 verses. He is not just a man. He is God who stepped down from his throne for you, for me. We did not deserve this. It is amazing. And as we look back at verses 3, another way of translating that verse was, was not anything made that which was, has been made was life in him. Not only does he have life, but life itself is found in him and comes through him. Not only is he the creator of all things, but the creator of all new things. If you want to be growing and green in your spiritual life, you have to have roots that go deep into the one who is life. You need to be in the word of God. You know, uh, Psalm 1, 2, and 3 says this, but delight, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. We're talking about a man here. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its seasons, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The self-existing life of the word was dispensed at creation so that it became the light of the human race as we see later on. See, the Bible describes you and me as dead in our sins. And we were, I was just having this conversation before we started our worship service. We were dead. Not half dead. You were dead. You were a rotting corpse at the bottom of an ocean. What could a rotting corpse that's bloated at the bottom of the ocean possibly do to make themselves alive again? Nothing. Outside of Jesus, there is no life. So Jesus comes and he gives life. The Bible describes us as dead. We see this in Colossians 2, verses 13 to 14. And you were, who were dead in your trespasses and your uncircumcised flesh. It's an amazing passage. But it doesn't stop there in Colossians 2, verses 13 to 14. It keeps going. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. To Jesus, just as Jesus spoke light and brought life into the dark void of pre-creation chaos, so Jesus brings light and life into the dark world of sin and death. His new creation order is none other than the long-promised epic of the redemption story that the prophets spoke about, that we just talked about with Jeremiah, with the kids' ministry, that the angels long to see. This is who Jesus is. And as people who have known this new life, he sends us out to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ for those who are still in darkness, who are still lifeless. The good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins and he rose again, that they can have life. So the question for you and for me is this. Do you know the one who gives life? Do you know the one who brings life where there is no life? 
Without Jesus and only Jesus, there is no life. You remain dead in your trespasses. You remain in your natural pride, your love of sin, your reliance on works and our former opinions, habits, and passions. Without Jesus, this is who you are. There's no options. But when Jesus breathes into you a new life, there is a change that happens. What you loved has passed away, especially that lovely, supreme love of self that Matt was talking about during our family worship. Coveting is bad because it denies that God is good. And God is good. He's good all the time. When I say God is good, you say? Good. There we go. What you love passes away, especially that supreme love of self, and with its self-righteousness, self-promotion, and self-justification. The new creature looks outward towards Christ instead of inward towards self. The old thing is dead. It's nailed to the cross with our sinful nature. With Jesus, there is new life. There is new creation. The old Dead things are replaced with new things, full of life and glory of God. The newborn soul delights in things of God and abhors the things of the world and the flesh. Our purposes, our feelings, our desires, and our understanding are fresh and different. We begin to see the world differently. There's this great story of this man who was, who was saved that God saved through the faithful ministry of another man. And as, he was, as God saved him, as he breathed into him new life, he was an older adult. He's out, the, the, the pastor was walking through a park and he found this man out in the park just staring at a leaf. Just staring. Well, naturally, if there's a guy just sitting on the grass just kind of like staring, I'm, I'm curious too. Are you a little crazy or something? I don't know. But this is, he comes back and, he, and as a man who has put off the old and is now a new creation, as Colossians 3, 19, 9 says and Ephesians 2, verse 24 says, he began to even look at the creation of God whom created all things differently. When I look at a sunrise, I don't see, I have no idea what the science is behind it all, so I'm not even going to attempt I don't see particles bouncing around and stuff. I see the glory of God. When I see the trees changing color, I see the creativity of my awesome God. Science does this wonderful thing. It just, science originally was there to try and explain all the wonders of our awesome God. But without Jesus as life, everything becomes lifeless. The new life is all founded in the gospel. That Christ died for our sins and he rose again. So the question for you and for me is this. Do you know the one who gives life? Do you know the one who brings life where there is no life? Are you resting in the gospel, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross? Do you feel like, like, a, like do you feel like a, 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 that you have a heart that is dead and is needing of revival? Then I simply point you to the one who can give you life, who is Jesus Christ, who created all things and can create in you a new life. And not only that, this is the light of men. Life was in the Son. 
of Jesus Christ. And light comes from this life. See, the origin of light, let there be light, is a life-focused pulsating in the very word of God. And darkness will neither overcome nor comprehend that light. As Jesus is the life, he is reflecting in his universe that he, crea- he is reflected in the universe which he has created. In theological terms, we call this general revelation. God reveals himself through his creation. This is why in, in our day, science tries so hard to discredit creation. Because it's taking away from that. If I can come up with this quote-unquote rational understanding for how all things were created without just saying God created, then I don't need to believe in God. I don't need to believe in Jesus. He create, his creation generally reveals who he is. And John points us to the one who created all life and brings us to the one who also brings all spiritual life. John 3.16 tells us that God loved the world and sent his son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What do you think that means when it comes to eternal life? We think forever, right? We think quantity. We think Jesus, oh, that's forever. But it's also quality. It is the life that God has lived in us now. It is not the prolonging of our earthly kind of life, but the heavenly life that brings in us the moment we believe in Jesus, and it never ends. Unending Millions of years from now, unending. The life that is of God will still be ours in the end through Christ. But what would that opposite of eternal life be then? If Jesus is life, and that life in him is eternal, at that moment you rest in him as light, the opposite of eternal life is not mere death, but eternal condemnation. That's the opposite. There's this thought out here that uh, hell is only temporary. But if eternal life is eternal, eternal condemnation is the opposite. He said, whoever believes the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. John 3.36. So to receive eternal life is to be saved from God's holy judgment and enter into uh, a Christ's eternal glory. People think that turning to Jesus will take all the fun out of life. But when you come to Jesus, your capacity for joy is vastly increased because he is life. Sin only deadens us and, and saps our life, whereas Christ fills us with wonder and purpose. He is life. Think about the story I just talked about, about the man who got saved. As he's picking up at that flower, he's just basking in the beauty of God. Things begin to change in his life. He doesn't look at it any less. He looks at it with more vibrant color. Because of what Christ has done for us. You know, on contrast, there's a story of Charles Darwin. The father of the theory of evolution. He turned his back on God and committed himself to secular humanism. 
his biography reveals that in so doing, he lost his taste for life. As Darwin grew older, he admitted, himself he admits, that he could no longer get anything out of poetry, music, or art. Life lost its flavor, and he lives out his days in a world without wonder or joy. Apart from Jesus, joy is at its best dependent, dependent on happy circumstances. Do you understand that? The only time you will experience joy outside of Jesus is if life is going well. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Life's not going well for a lot of people. Alcohol is on our eyes. Abuse is on our eyes. Suicide's on our eyes. Depression's on our eyes. Everything is falling apart. Everything that people put their dependence upon is falling apart. And if you are here today putting your dependence upon all the fancy trinkets that all this life has to offer, as Tolkien said, not all that glitters is gold. If you're coming here with that, you start stripping that away. What do you have? If, I'm, if everything in my life has been taken away from me, what joy do I have if it's not in Jesus? Paul wrote, see, for the Christian, joy is the inward result of the Holy Spirit's blessing, as Paul writes in Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. This, ver- this great verse that we see here, it helps us to, to, and points us to reflect Jesus in this world. He wants you to reveal God to those around you. He wants you to warm others so that they will seek after truth and love. He wants you to be a guide to others. He wants, you, he wants his light to shine in and through to bring other people to life. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. But not only that, Jesus is light. In verse 5 it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness. There's a pointing to what Christ will do. People love darkness because their deeds are evil. And we'll see that in chapter 3. What's the first thing that light does? When you walk into a room and you flick the light, a dark room, and you flick the light, what's the first thing it does? It reveals. Right? It exposes. It brings, when you walk into a dark room and you turn on the light in order to see, that's what the prophet says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them his light shone. Humanity was living in spiritual darkness, ignorant about God and living in superstition. So Jesus came into the world as light and he reveals God to those people. So let me ask you this. Do you know God? Do you know what God is like? Jesus came to reveal God to you. You cannot know God outside of Jesus. He is the light of men. He comes to shine the light into the darkness. And Jesus came to bring us into fellowship with God as worshipers in spirit and truth. We cannot know God without knowing Jesus. Well, what's another thing that light gives us? As we all know, I love my, I love my campfires. 
Fire doesn't just bring light, it brings warmth. To walk in the darkness is to walk in sin and moral depravity, but the light of Christ warms the heart so that it it is changed. This spiritual transformation is what Jesus meant in John chapter 12, verse 46. I have come into the world as a light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. What's one more thing that maybe light gives? A torch. If you remember those great classics of Indiana Jones walking into the temple of doom or whatever it was. Yeah. It gives us guidance. We think of the glory cloud of light that guided Israel through the desert during Exodus. In Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In John 8, 12. And if you come to Jesus Christ in faith and follow as his disciple, he will be the, a light to guide you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, as Psalm 23, verse 3 says. But what is the reaction to those who continue to love to walk in darkness? What happens? In John three nineteen it says, And this is the judgment, that light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. It's like those vampire movies <clears throat> where there's like a vampire in some room, and some guy flings open the curtain. And what's the vampire's reaction? He shrivels. He either runs away if he can, he screams, Whatever it may be, vampires are always the symbol of darkness. At least until recently with uh, movies that my wife and I grew up with, but they used to be. They hiss at the sight. And why do they react like that? Because those in darkness don't want their actions to be exposed. They love the dark. They get to wallow in the, in, in the mud and play in the mud. They want to stay there. Is who they are. Because those in the darkness don't want their actions to be exposed. But regardless of if they want it or not, the light comes into the darkness and it does what? It reveals it. It's why in the gospel, when we're presenting the gospel to people, we shouldn't really start with, hey, Jesus loves you. We start with the holiness of God. Because when we start with the holiness of God, it acts like a light and it reveals that, well, we're all in need of something very desperate. We can't do it on our own. I've broken all the commands. I need a Savior. The light exposes me and my need of a Savior. So Jesus comes into this world and he acts as a light. But not only that, the darkness has not overcome. Other translations might use the word comprehend or understood it. This is a great verse. The darkness will not prevail over Jesus. Never. Even though it may feel like sometimes darkness is winning, darkness will never prevail over light. Darkness will always retreat. Even the forces of darkness will kill Jesus. But that's not where it ends. That's why the gospel never ends at Jesus dying for our sins. The gospel ends where? He rose again. Because if he rose again, that means he's conquered life and he's conquered death. 
And he is able to give us life through his son, Jesus Christ. Life is in him. He is life. Just like how creation couldn't overcome its creator, darkness can't overcome the light. So those who will run from the light to hide their evil and their darkness need the word of the Spirit and life to give them the ability to see and enter into the kingdom of, darkness, uh, kingdom of God. Sorry. So in your darkness, he can bring you into the light. I know some people feel like it's just darkness all the time. Look to Jesus who is the light. Darkness never overcomes the light. When light shows up, darkness disappears. In your life, do you feel like darkness is overcoming? Look to the one who is the light of the world. So what, you may ask yourself. Just as Jesus creates life and light when there is none. Like, we've got to think about this. Let's just dwell upon this, okay? Before creation, there was nothing. Nothing. Like when I say, when artists come and they say, I'm going to go create something, they're not creating. They're taking things that have already been created and they stick it together. Right? Music, same thing. Paint, same thing. I don't know, all the other weird art stuff. (laughs) Sometimes I do wonder if they're just coming up with it off the top of their head, but, you know, they're still taking things from other things. They don't create, they reuse God comes along, there is absolutely nothing. And he speaks, and then there's something. But I can't even comprehend that. But here, Jesus, as, just as Jesus creates life and light, when there is none, he creates a new life and brings light into the lives of those who were dead in darkness. Why does it matter that we know this about Jesus? Because simply as I started, he is our Savior. He is the one who can save you. The Bible describes you as dead in your sins, but Jesus is life. In your death, he can bring what seems to be impossible possible. And as Christians who have experienced the life and the light of Jesus Christ, he also sends us out. He sends us out into this dark world to go proclaim the Jesus Christ to his life, who is light. We are disciples of Jesus Christ who have experienced the saving life and light of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. And we go into this dark world reflecting the light of Christ. Are you pointing people to who Jesus is in your life? Is your life living in such a way that it reflects the glory of Jesus Christ? I'm not asking for perfection. I'm not. Very far from it. Everyone knows the pastor's not perfect. But do you know, but is your life reflecting Christ? But on the other side is this, is do you know the one who brings life and light? In the depths of your soul, do you feel like you are dead? Do you feel a deep darkness? Do you long to be alive? Do you long to be in the light? Then I point you to the one who is life and light. 
the one who through all things were created, but the one who can bring your dead soul to life again, the one who is the light that shines into the darkness. This passage really tells us this very important thing. This is why as a church we believe that the Bible alone is our highest authority. We don't have a pope, not even the pastor, the Bible. We believe that we are only saved through faith alone in Jesus Christ because he's the one who created all things, who is life, who is light. We believe these things because the Bible tells us because it is our highest authority, because we are saved by faith alone. We understand that through this, that clearly we are saved by grace alone. We are saved by God's grace alone. That is done through Christ alone. Him and him alone is our Lord and Savior. Not how good you act or how many people you help cross the street or all the fun, good things that you do in your life. It is Christ. And the the outcome of that is that we live for the glory of God alone because how could we possibly live for anybody else? How could we? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He came to save me and you. So that is the way to life and light to cease trusting in yourself or in anything else of this world that might commend you to God and surrender your case into the hands of Jesus. I have come into the world as light, he said, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness, as John twelve forty six says. That light is still shining, and through him you can have life everlasting. You can have life abundantly you can have life in christ these are written as john says so that you may believe that jesus is the christ the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name just as jesus created life and light when there was none he created a new life and brings light into the lives of those who were dead in their darkness let us pray Father God, we just thank you for who you are and what you have done for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray as we continue to worship you, Lord, that we would just reflect upon what you have done for us. We can spend a lifetime mining who you are from these short verses. Lord, I pray that we would just bask in the wonder of who you are. And may we not just sit here with our ears tickled, but that basking would send us out to declare that you are life and light to a world that is lifeless and in darkness. And amen.